Hello everybody, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And we've just come back from seeing Mamma Mia 2. Yes, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Yes, and I wish the they t- hadn't. <laughs> even even the title has a kind of sarcastic resignation to it. It's very interesting because I a lot of my friends obviously have seen it, and really I had to drag you to see it. Um, a little bit, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's been out for weeks, and I've been mm. wanting to go for weeks, and, you know, we haven't, so... Um, True. But you, you weren't pushing it, but I think you assumed that I would never go. <laughs> well, I wasn't pushing it because I really didn't like the first one at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cher. Um, you know, they, uh, she's a childhood figure for me. I grew up watching her, the Sonny and Cher show, and then indeed her own show. So, you know, I'm a fan. I, I wanted to see her. Uh, and people had been saying really good things about it. Yeah, kind right. of, people had been kind of enthusiastic about it. So, um, so I went against my experience of the first film, and really, I think it's awful. Oh, huh. um, uh, okay. A simple question: better or worse than the first film? It's better than the first film. Okay. Second question: What didn't you like about the first film? What was your experience of it? I just. I thought it was cheesy. I hated the singing. You know, I love ABBA songs. I think they're great. I hated having somebody like Meryl Streep sing them. Right? Okay. You know, it's just it just felt like bad karaoke of, you know, these these great songs. And it needn't have been because, you know, one of the things that I wanted uh, you know, to play you earlier and that I haven't gotten around to, but you know, there are really beautiful covers of mm. uh um Abba songs. John Grant does a beautiful cover of uh, Angel Eyes. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think like these films are misconceived and, you know, they're very popular and in a way you feel, well, you don't want to shit on people's pleasure, really. Like, you know, kind of if they enjoy it, kind of good for them. And, you know, in, in some ways you, you have to think, well, the film is doing something right. But I just think it's so bad. Mm. Yeah, I found it painful. <laughs> like, uh, uh, well, um, I only watched the first film the other day for the first time. Uh-huh. I, it's it was the kind of thing I'd put off. It's the kind of thing that my mum likes, yes. and generally that's an indicator that I it's not more my bag. Yes. And um, uh, I it was horrible, but I kind of liked it. There were, I mean. There were things about it I really didn't like, but I also kind of couldn't stop smiling at points. When people started to burst into song, it made me laugh. I think that's part of what is appealing about the film. It is so silly. And I think it knows that. The first film is kind of mad. And what you say about it being like like mad Hollywood karaoke is true. But like that, that's not kind of unpleasurable in itself. Um, and I think, I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's knowing... About it, I don't think it's like the joke is on that. I think you are supposed to enjoy it unironically, but it is also quite silly, and that's the pleasure I got out of it. Yes, it is quite silly, um, um, and I can see why a, a, a room full of people would really get into it. Yes, and the songs are great. The songs are great, and actually, you know, to be fair, uh, one of the things that this film is better, I think, it's just. Um, for me, it's a much more attractive cast. Yeah, I really like Lily James. I mm. think she's very charismatic and beautiful, and it's a pleasure to look at her, you know. Um, and 
uh, Amanda Siegfried sings very well. Seyfried. Seyfried sings very well. Uh, and of course, I love seeing Cher. Uh, so, you know, it, it's got quite... And I love Andy Garcia. Mm. Uh, and actually, you know, Colin Frith was like really fun to watch as well. Like, yeah, well, I mean, most of the cast is the same. It, but obviously, yeah. uh, Lily James... And her two friends, uh, uh, she plays... They play the young Julie Walters and the young Christine Baranski. Yeah, so she plays the young um, Donna from 1979 when she was having the, these various experiences and affairs with the various mm. men on this island. So those are the new additions. And Lily James is the centrepiece and she's fantastic. Yeah. And she's great. She's the best thing about the film. She's the best thing about the film. Uh, and But let me tell you what I hated about it. You know, what I hated about it is that it has no sense of what a musical does mm. or is meant to do, right? So actually, some of the basic, basic, basic things just feel so so odd and weird. It's like, it's like what people who hate musicals think, make, make fun of musicals for. So, you know, this idea that you're walking down the street and you burst into song. Well, actually, in most musicals, they give you a reason and it's cute and choosing that moment when somebody begins to sing yeah. is like the key moment of going from one world to another. In this one, it's so unbelievably cheesy and, you know, and inept. Yeah, but that and is... And insensitive. <laughs> uh, that, that is um, partially down to the fact that it's a jukebox thing, though. It's, it's taking all of these songs and forcing them into a story. Singing in the Rain was a jukebox musical. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the bandwagon was a jukebox musical. There's tons of jukebox musicals, films built around a songbook. Mm. You know that are not this inept. Fair enough. I found it inept, and it made me kind of both groany and angry. And you know, the jokes were so cheap. And I mean, I hated, for example, the choreography. Mm. Right. I mean, not necessarily because it was bad choreography. Right, but it, because it was like not thought through for the camera, mm. right? It's just like yeah, camera placement is part of the choreography, exactly for the camera, and the camera doesn't seem to uh, be aware given to it. Yeah. very little. Um, there are there is the occasional quite handsome shot, but it's in the middle of ba basically trash. It, yes, it, it's not well directed at all in that respect. It's no. weird. Um, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to think of how it could have been improved as well in that way. No, I think, I think the way in which the film is, is very well directed, I think, is in relation to the actors. Yeah. Right, because actually I think some of them are really at their most charming uh, and it's a pleasure to see them. So, so in that sense, kind of the, the director's input uh, must have been spot on. But mm -hmm. kind of in terms of shaping a musical number, it's, it's atrocious. And actually, I think it's interesting so that, you know, kind of people look at this as if, as if it is, you know, a karaoke night in Gran Canaria or something. You expect it to be like cheap and hokey and you join in the fun, right? <laughs> but actually, the songs are really very beautiful, right? It has all this potential to be like moving and meaningful and, you know, and all kinds of things. Mm. And the film just, you know, either it is choose that or it really brings in, like, I think, gross sentimentality, like, you know, the number in the baptism where the mother and the daughter get reunited with the child and, you know, all things come together. I just hate it. Right. That even though, you know, I thought, actually, Meryl Streep for once sung it very well. 
<laughs> I mean, I thought that was a very sweet number. I liked it a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, you're right. It was on the sentimental side, but nothing about this film, these films are subtle. No. You know, um, and so I didn't really mind that it was kind of trying to hit that note. Yes, there were many, many worse offenders um, mm. than, than that one. I mean, actually, that was, you know, one of the highlights of... The, I mean, for me, the highlights of the film was the moment with Cher, which actually is very cheesy. It's a, it's a complete star entrance. It's completely built up. You know, uh, uh, you know she's coming, and, you know, they make, it, they make her arrival a spectacular one. But, you know, aside from that, uh, I think she's a wonderful voice. Right, so when she sings Fernando, there are things going on in that voice, yeah, that kind of like exceed the cheesiness of the song. Mm. Perhaps I was not impressed with Cher. This is probably this will probably alienate a vast swathe of our listenership. She's the best thing in the movie. No, I don't agree with that. I think um, I think what's her face is Lily James. Okay, well, uh, Lily James, Cher, of course. For one thing, and this is an example of bad direction. How do you? I, well, not bad direction, but bad, bad musical instincts in a way. Instincts mm. for a musical. How do you waste that intro? She gets that intro, which you've seen in the trailer of you know no one invited you, grandma, and then she just sort of put, yeah. looks over her glasses and says, uh, "Honey, that's the best kind of party." Mm. And you're like, "Whoo!" How do you not go straight into a song? You don't. You, you, they go into a dialogue scene and they're just blah 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 blah. I know it's stupid. It's awful. It's awful. Really, how yeah. do you do that? Yeah, but but apart from that, I mean, she's she's in the film for four seconds. Well, no, and, and I and you know, I, I kind of I guess I mean I like Fernando as a song. It's one of my favorite ABBA songs, but I didn't think it was special particularly. I thought she, I, I, think I thought kind she of, I thought she was in, in wonderful voice. I thought the Romeo and Juliet um, aspect of the staging of it was quite nice, but um, you know the the reconnection between her and uh, uh, Andy Garcia, Andy Garcia, Fernando. Yes. Um, it's one known. of the highlights but, of the film for me. Actually, okay. I think that moment where he, he yells, Ruby! <laughs> right, but that's that him. Great. That's him, not her. I'm talking about her. Like, well, I, there were things about that number I liked. None of it was down to her, though. Oh, I no, no. Like I, I, I think she's a wonderful voice. Okay. I mean, I do think that people have overrated even that number. Right? Because, um, you know, I think she is a wonderful voice. But she's an old lady, right? <laughs> and she doesn't move very well. And actually, the wig she's wearing does her no favors. No. Like, you know, she doesn't look like a cadaver in a wig, you know. So there are, there are problems. But actually, I think, I think it's almost like um, the, there were two moments that, for me, exceeded just the um, consumerist kind of capitalist piece of crap that this whole project is. It's just a money-making machine, right, kind of. And it is just a way of how, you know, how to, how to organize these numbers in a way that doesn't alienate audiences who already love them because they meant something in their lives, right? Mm. So, you know, it, it is kind of a, a game of just not, not alienating. And I think the only two, th two moments that broke through that and actually made you feel something for me was actually, it was actually for me the moment with Cher um, and the moment with Meryl Streep, you mm. know, uh, and, and, at, at the end, and at the end, I the think baptism scene and, uh, and just there was something in Cher's voice, you know, cause she sang it very beautifully. It's really modulated, mm. you know, 
Um, and it spoke to something kind of darker and sadder than what you saw. Perhaps. I'd have to see it again, <clears throat> to be fair to it. But um, I think it's, it's funny what you say about, about the films being a money-making device based on bringing up people's nostalgia and selling them it back to them. Um, because I do feel like maybe there's an element of that, not nostalgia exactly, but an element of familiarity and, the, and, and liking something that you already like with you and Cher. Which, sure. I, which I don't have with Cher, you know, which is why I was not particularly fussed. Well, I think, that, I think that's true, but I think that's different in the sense that, you know, stars by their very nature mean stuff. Yeah. Right? And, you know, she, and particularly in America, uh, you know, I mean, for me, she's a fixture of my childhood. Mm. So there's no question that it plays on all of that. But also, it is deploying it very well. You know, okay. you know she... I mean, you know, the whole thing about the helicopter, the arrival, it plays on her persona of being like a good time girl and being honest and saying what she means and, you know, kind of, yeah. Uh, um, it doesn't explain a damn thing about a character. Apparently. Well, this film has no character. Apparently, Amanda Seyfried's grandma is this super rich businesswoman singer. Well, a grandma that is Cher. Exactly. <laughs> like, where does that come from? Well. How has that never been brought up before? Yes. But, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's kind of hinted at. But anyway, let's focus on um, some people really surprised me because, um, you know, they actually sang well. So, like, you know, I think Amanda Seyfried, I was surprised at how well she sang. And, of course, Meryl Streep, you know, kind of sings well and so on. I hated that, that none of them danced well, yeah. you know, and there were a lot of dance numbers and they were, they were all amateur Right. And and none of them were choreographed for the camera. And I also kind of you was know, slightly annoyed with all the young people. Right. Because so, for example, you can imagine how there is a situation in which, you know, not everybody can sing, dance and act. Right. Hmm. So, you know, you can use their acting or you can use the singing or you can use the dancing. Right. But to hire, especially young people who have no box office value, who can't sing or dance, I just kind of like... Well, I think this this is what something I was going to draw a comparison to with regards to the first film is the first film had that as well, basically yes. people with no talent doing it. Yes. But the first film had so much charm, it got away with it. And this film, I think, is charmless. It's funny what you were saying earlier about the actors being... like The, the directing bringing out the charm in the actors, that a lot of them have never been more charming. I think that's kind of true. Nonetheless, the film around them is charmless. It's, yes. it's dull and very, very boring... <laughs> Which is the same as dull and uninvolving. <laughs> but it's very like, boring, which is the same as dull. But it is, right? It's, it's, <laughs> you have to repeat it twice. That's what it is. It's, it doesn't have any charm. I didn't. I found the actors charming, but the film incredibly crude. And actually. And, and, and you know, I'm kind of. I feel like. I'm almost like offended, right? Because, you know, I love musicals and I always hated when people dump on them because I just think you haven't seen them and you don't know what they do, right? And they can be magic. Mm. You know, it is one of the great genres in the whole history of cinema. And I just think films like this are just almost like so disrespectful of the form. Like, you know, they're completely clueless about, you know, how to stage a number for the camera, how to sing, you know, how to convey emotion, how to actually say something about 
you know, whatever the song and the actors and the dance are and the camera movement and the color and, you know, is conveying. Like, you know, I, I was thinking actually, because, you know, in a lot, of, a lot of musicals, things like color and costume design are so important. They're part of what they express as much as choreography, say. Mm. Yep. What's the color design for this film? Who the fuck knows? It's just a lot of blue because, you know, it's in the Aegean Ocean, right? Like, yeah, it's blue, it's yellow. Yeah. Because it's sunny. But it's not communicating anything. Yeah. Right? It's just set in Greece. So that's the <laughs> color scheme, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, it's really blank. Um, I think for me, the thing about the film, I think the original audience was really like a kind of a hen party audience, really. Mm. You know, uh, that was, uh, I think the majority of the audience for the show was mainly like middle-aged women, you know, who loved, you know, the, the music and, yeah, yeah, and, uh, um, you know, came out singing their youth in a way, really. Um, and then, of course, the film demonstrated that that audience is like a huge international one. Hmm. Um, and it was a really a surprise hit, the first one. Um, so... You know, yeah, I've got of... the box office here. Um, one moment, the first Mamma Mia worldwide made six hundred million dollars or more. Yes. Um, this one so far has made three hundred twenty million dollars worldwide. So there were, yeah. Though you know that that may continue, right? Like the final tally. Oh yeah, no, it's in. not. It's not finished, but yeah. you know. But no, the point is that. It's huge. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it is. no. The it, point was not to say, "Oh, it's rubbish now." Yeah. No, the point is, yeah, the audience is still there and it's massive still. Yeah, it is. Um, um, but, but then again, you know, kind of, um, there are often kind of massive audiences for really crappy films, um, and I think as a musical, to me, this is a really crappy musical. Yeah. Well, no, it certainly is. Um, um, you were comparing it to before we saw it. You were suggesting that it was uh, along the lines of the Greatest Showman. Insofar as our response to it, our likely response to it, and and the way that our listeners would kind of, you, you said something like, um, you know, we can we can do Mamma Mia two and then join it with the Greatest Showman in telling all those people who like those movies that they're crap. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. but I think they are in slightly different audiences. I, do, I think that the audience for the Greatest Showman is younger and probably more stupid. Uh but I also think The Greatest Showman did things that this one doesn't. Because I think the thing about The Greatest Showman, even though I think it was very bad and so on, it did move people, mm -hmm. and it meant something to people, and it gave people an anthem, right? Yeah. You it's know? a better film than this. So, so was actually, this one is all at a bit removed. This is all like, it's fun, it's cheesy, it's a lark. You, you know, you're not meant to take any of it kind of seriously. You're meant to see how badly constructed it is and, like, enjoy it anyway because mm. it's a way of going into the song. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's a wasted opportunity because, actually, you know, the songs are beautiful and, you know, people make connections. It has been, they have been very meaningful to people. So, actually, to not figure out a way to make, you know, those songs and those dances and so on kind of meaningful it's just a waste I think. it is um, and, it's, and it actually speaks to just a lack of imagination really really i think so um that said there were things that i liked um actually there, there were things i liked about the story in a way that made me kind of feel like i wish that they didn't have to go into a song 
Because <laughs> I, I like so, for instance, I there's a, there's this central uh, kind of dual story yeah. that's being told. The, the one is of Amanda Seyfried. Her mother's passed away. She's running the hotel now. And she's got this big opening coming up, and um, the the second story that is is told in flashback back in 1979 with Lily James playing the young Donna uh, with her mate when she was the. the the whole thing of the first film about this diary about the three guys that she slept with and any of them could be her mm. dad this this is showing you that time yeah. and there are these points where the film cross cuts in fact it does it in a song at one point I can't remember what song it is but it does it in a song where uh, Lily James finds this farmhouse and starts living in it and is exploring the place and kind of making it her own and it's all it's dilapidated and decrepit and things are breaking and then at the same time it, it cross cuts it with uh, Amanda Seyfried doing the place up and like what it looks like now, yeah. and that's kind of touching. I mean, I, I I like that. Like I I like the parallels that it drew between the two the, the two people because basically it portrays them at the same age, roughly yes. in their twenties at some point, and and at these points where they're kind of making decisions about their life and taking control of their own lives, and the idea that kind of like. The, your parents, you always kind of feel like your parents just know everything and they're older than you and they just have all the world experience, right? I never felt that way, but go on. Sure. <laughs> I, think I think that's kind of what you do. Like, maybe it's different for an immigrant kid because like, you have to do so much more yourself. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you had to like, you know, speak on the phone and that sort of thing for your parents. So like, mm. you taking that level of responsibility that they would otherwise have mm. is probably part of that. But generally speaking i think it's true you kind of you kind of just don't really imagine that your parents were ever your age and 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 the film that's true the film kind of literally showing you that they they're both in they're not in the same position but they are in similar places in their lives um or she was in a similar place to her daughter and so on. uh showing you pretty directly by cross-cutting between these two timelines um i, I kind of brought them out like like you, like my parents are in their sixties, and you kind of feel like, well, they they know everything, but it's like it's their first go at being in their sixties. Yeah, you know, pretty soon it'll be their first go at being in their seventies. Like mm. they don't have experience of that yet. Like yeah. it's still new to them. Sure. So I that kind of made me think of that kind of thing, and I think that's quite. I don't really seen that 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 much before, yeah. and I like that. Yeah, well, I can see why you would, and actually, you know, to be fair to the film, that's one of the better aspects of it. Yeah. You know, this, the kind of the mingling of the past and present of the relating of the one to the other, you know, um, is, 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 is very well done. Uh, so structurally, the film is interesting. Mm. I think that's Richard Curtis. I saw his name in the credits. He got, he's, as, he's one of the three story people. Yes. And I think that's him. Yeah, well... Um, you can sort of see it. Yeah, and, I, you know, it's kind of... Some of the sentimentality is his as well. <laughs> if you know, if he's in the credits, then a lot of the faults are actually faults that I wouldn't expect from him, because I, I you know, so for example, I think Julie Walters and Christine Baranski, whom I love, are completely wasted. I think know? they try and do a lot with them, but it just didn't come off. And, me. They, should, they didn't get one good line, or you know, like Christine Baranski is trying to do or like her, you know bitchy urban intelligent kind of reposts mm. and they all fall flat and they're just not that good you know and i think actually julie walters is given so little to do that she ends up kind of being busy with exp- you know like mm. with expressions right so she gives an overly florid kind of performance really 
Mm. Um, but I do think she 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 gets a couple of laughs. I think she plays well off. Like if Chris, Christine Baranski's character is just not that likable and is kind of blank, she's just thinks a lot of herself. Mm. But it's it's the way Julie Alters is then able to play off that as being the kind of downtrodden one in their relationship. That she gets a couple of laughs like that. There's a point. There's one. There's one musical number where she's supposed to be singing about what happened between her and Bill. And Christine Baranski just takes it over. Yes. And in the background, then, you know, as Christine Baranski waltzes off singing about it, Julie Walters is trying to keep up and doesn't get to do all of the cool stuff that Christine Baranski gets to do. Yes. Yeah. She's just eating cake. I think they're both wasted. Yeah. They're not, they're not used well enough, but they have the um, moments. So. I think. Yeah. Well, they're, they're very hard to dislike. And, you know, I love <laughs> both of them. But I think, you know, they're kind of yeah. um, not not given much to do but anyway those are all minor things for me i mean kind of you know the major thing is the music and the numbers i just think there's not one memorable number in the whole thing no you know um i mean you could argue that this song is better done than the other song or whatever you know um but actually it's they're just like plugged into a plot aren't they yeah it's like you know, and, and probably the plot is designed a little bit around them. But then, you know, it's all plot. And so the numbers themselves feel shapeless. Like they haven't been kind of designed, right? You know, so somebody's done the choreography and somebody's done the music. and But then actually, you know, the whole thing about musicals, all of those things are meant to be kind of coordinated, kind of in relation to give you a feeling, right? Or to incite a feeling in you. Mm. And kind of, you know, this none of that work seems to have gone on here. And if it has, it certainly fails. The thing that is kind of maybe um, interesting, if not impressive, about this film, I mean, we were talking about the structure earlier, I actually thought that it was intriguing that it, ha- it has so many characters, right? And it keeps them in play very well. Like, you know, you never feel that, you know, it's just like, you know, the sister of who will be some little plot mechanism or some link in the plot. Actually, you know, you do feel that like um, all of these characters are meaningful and they're given something to do. And yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot of them. So three, three, three young suitors, three older suitors, mm. two best friends, two younger best friends. Right, the the people who work in the uh, taverna, the mother and the son, like it's a lot of characters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's know, just so... a lot. And I like this kind of sense of respect that I think it has for everyone in a way. Like it's not not that you would expect it to have to show disrespect to people, but there's just there's just a there's a feeling of kind of inclusivity. Yeah. To to basically everyone in the film. I mean, for instance, um, I, it, it struck me slightly that. Uh, so in the flashback, Donna has been um, having a relationship with Colin Firth's younger version, um, who uh, then reveals after a while, or it becomes revealed after a while, that he's engaged. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is betrayed. He goes off. And, um, and the, the, the mother... It's, it's, it's Greece, isn't it, where it's set? Yes. Um, the, the sort of old mother who runs the bar and who owns the, um, the, the, the house, the, yeah, the house, the farmhouse where she lives. Like if it were kind of a realistic thing, you'd probably expect that to be, you know, she would berate her. You're being a slut. 
basically something like that sleeping with these guys one of them is engaged what are you doing but of course she doesn't in this like she's super supportive of Donna and she basically says that this guy was an asshole. like that's that just kind of slightly struck me as like that's exactly how I would want <laughs> so, someone like that you know, to yes. behave and, and, and that's and it's just, it shows that it's kind of a bit of a fantasy world in a way maybe but I like yes. I mean I don't mind fantasy no no you know I like I like fantasy and I like wish fulfillment and I like glamour and you know and so on I just kind of think it wasn't very well done no no yeah so no it's not very well done I mean ultimately it's not a good film um, but um, as you said, I'm certainly not the target market. You kind of are, if I may. Bitch. I mean, imagine seeing this. Like, in well, a, in a, you know, share was a draw for me. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, so, and I am the right age for it, I suppose. Mm. Um, but uh, um, after seeing the first one, I must say, like, you know, if it hadn't had share in it, I probably wouldn't have gone. Right, like, you know, I right. kind of, I dislike the first one so much. And actually, I suppose if I'm true to my own feelings, the film kind of won me over at the end because I was actively groaning at the beginning. Like, I thought it was unbearable. Okay. Like, you know, I mean, the number at Oxford University yeah. made me sick. Yeah, what's it called? <laughs> uh, when I Kissed the Teacher. It was just It's awful. an album track. I'd never heard of it. And, and and also I was thinking like she's supposed to be a student what's this about kissing a teacher in this day and age <laughs> no <laughs> and also that bloody prancing around bridges and whatever and there was one shot I liked though there was a Busby Berkeley shot which actually really worked for me you know that shot that's I don't know if it's actually Busby Berkeley but it's that style of um uh, a lot of divers all diving into a pool one after another and the camera moves forward between them yes. you know, and they all go that, yeah that is that is Busby Berkeley and yeah. foot like parade really right that's it um, well, they do that with everyone leaving school on their bikes. All the all the push bikes are in the bike racks, and they all come out one after the other, and they push the camera forward. That was great. I really like that. Okay, that's it. Okay, that's all. I mean, this was one shot. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Made me laugh. All right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, essentially rubbish. But yes. um, I'm not really qualified to actually advise anyone whether to see it or not. Cause... Well. Um... <laughs> As I said, I really hated it, and then it kind of won me over, uh, but I still think it's a pretty crap film. If they do a third one, I think they're going to have to include another band, because they are just going to run out of proper songs. Like, I, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if they kind of ran into some people from the Queen musical? <laughs> <laughs> Queen meets Abba. <laughs> you know, and then they just started doing it by Human Rhapsody and Killer Queen. Maybe next time. That's an aspiration. All right, so uh, final verdict. Yeah, it's rubbish. All right, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we are on iTunes, on Twitter, at eavesdropping.com. Uh, and we are now on YouTube as well, where you can listen to the podcasts. So thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.